Welcome to Local SEO Today. On this podcast, John Vong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover challenges and successes in business ownership. Our goal is to provide you with insights into the entrepreneurship journey and give you tips and advice from real experience. Brought to you by Local SEO Search based in Toronto, Canada. Thank you for tuning in to Local SEO Today. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Join me, joining me today is Tom Antion. Tom has never had a job. He's an internet multimillionaire, guy next door, and founder of the only licensed, dedicated internet marketing school in the world. He's the, the subject of Hollywood documentary, The American Entrepreneur, premiering later this year. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Oh, I'm thrilled. I love to, uh, to talk to my brethren up in Canada. Yeah, well, thanks a lot. I know right now there's a lot going on in the world, and in particular, where you're residing and living. Oh, uh, no, there's nothing going on <laughs> in the United States right now. <laughs> yeah, there's hardly any headlines that piques anyone's interest in the world. So, <laughs> But outside of that, I did want to get into learning a little bit about yourself. Um, if you don't mind sharing with the audience members, um, you know, who you are, what you do, how how did you get started and a little bit more about your expertise okay yeah well i've uh, never had a job uh, that's hence the uh, name of my podcast is called screw the commute and when you look at my resume it, you kind of think man that's bs how could somebody do all the stuff this guy's done and it's basically if you're not in a car driving and commuting to work, making somebody else rich for a couple hours a day, you can live like two or three lives. So I've been doing that since before I graduated college, I actually owned five apartment buildings and a hotel. (laughs) So starting with nothing. Uh, So I've been an entrepreneur all my life and um, various things. And that time it was real estate. Then it went to, uh, I was a a freelance charter pilot for a while. I owned a nightclub. And, I, and I've always bragged about working out of my home. I actually lived above the nightclub. So technically, oh, wow. I lived in a nightclub with <laughs> my house. That's awesome. Then when I got out of that, that business, I was in gunfights and knife fights and bikers trying to kill me. So when I got out of that business, I said, you know, whatever I do now is, is going to be fun for me and fun for everybody else. So I don't know if you're old enough to remember Candid Camera. But it was a show where they would pull practical jokes on people long before Punked and Jackass and those kind of shows. And uh, so I started a practical joke company where we custom designed practical jokes. And I did 4,000 of them in and around Washington, D.C., got worldwide publicity for it. It kicked me off into a professional speaking career. And this is back in the the, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And then the commercial internet came along in 1994. And at the time I was a, a, you know, a working speaker going all around the world speaking. And um, it was, I was selling stuff at the time, cassette tapes, which nobody even knows what they are now. Uh, It was hard enough to sell them across the street, let alone around the world. So when the commercial internet came around in 1994, I said, I'm going to figure this out. I mean, you mean I can sell around the world from my basement computer? I'm going to figure this out. So two years I went working on it, trying to figure it out, still going around the world speaking and trying to figure it out. 
didn't make a nickel for, from 94 to 96. And then I got good training from a guy named Corey Rudel. He was uh, kind of the 30-year-old grandfather of, of uh, internet marketing in the United States, uh, pretty much around the world. He was well-known. And um, unfortunately, he died in a, in a tragic uh, car accident. But, but he was my first teacher. And as soon as I got good training, I started making money. It wasn't like it is now, but it was $50 a week, $100 a week, $500, $1,000. Now it's not uncommon, $30,000 weeks. And uh, by uh, four years later, I hit multimillionaire status, which is around like 20 years ago. So, so, but I'm still just the same guy. And I came from a small town. There's only 500 people in my hometown still to this day. And we lived in yeah. the suburbs. So I was total just came from farmland sticks. And, uh, and, uh, but yes, I just, that's the way I act now, but uh, done very, very well and, uh, and helped a lot of other people along the way. That's amazing. So <laughs> I, I want to get into like learning a little bit about trying to uncover what made you decide during college to kind of work on your own and doing your own thing. Did you come from some money to start getting into real estate? Like, how did you think differently? Did you sure. associate with others? Did you join other events or have mentors around you? So you know what I mean? Like a lot of listeners, you know, they're, they're probably side hustling or they're starting mm -hmm. off in their own entrepreneurial journey. What would you say to them? Like what made you do what you, you did? Well, I started out, I was, uh, I was the baby of six boys. And like I said, we lived out in no man's land. So I was by myself all the time. And I saw my dad who was an entrepreneur. My dad came from Syria on a cattle boat in the early 1900s. And he put the first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. And he was head of household by 13 years old, had his own electrical contracting firm at 13 years old. And so uh, that's all I saw as I was growing up is my dad's an entrepreneur. So I kind of saw that. And I actually sold my first used car when I was 15 years old and I didn't even have a learner's permit to drive. <laughs> So, so I was surrounded by that the whole time. And then I went to college on a football scholarship. So I went to a major college in the U.S. top 20 school as an all-state all football player. And so I had time on my hands. I did go to class. I wasn't, you know, I, did, I took business classes on the side. It was all paid for. So that was great. So I was reading a book uh, by William Nickerson back, and it's still available as a used book somewhere. Uh, it was called How to Turn $1,000 into a Million Dollars in Real Estate. And I thought, man, I could do that. I'm sit I remember sitting at a place called Sunnyside in Morgantown, West Virginia, on the side of the street, reading this book. I could do that. And my five brothers are telling me, you're crazy. Well, you don't have it. How are you going to do real estate? You're crazy. You're out of your mind. And I'm thinking, I don't even have a couch to repossess. What are they going to get if I mess up? You know, so... So this was, uh, I didn't even have $1,000. So uh, I basically, I made a no money down deal. I went and found an old attorney. See, in those days, they would rent by the person in the houses converted into multiplex like apartment buildings. So I found an old lawyer wanted to retire. Uh, he sold me the house, no money down. I just made him payments. So he didn't have to maintain it, do anything. 
I went to Kmart. I don't know if you have K, you used to have Kmart's in, yeah, uh, yes. in Canada. I bought a $10 circular saw. And at the time at our football stadium, they were taking the, the seats that were old oak seats and replacing them with plastic. I grabbed them all up and I ripped them down the middle and made two by fours out of them. And I built on two extra rooms on this apartment building, which was another $250 a month. So then I said, heck, I'll do this again. I found another guy had a fourplex and I did that. And I had another guy had a single family home and I did that same thing. It was no money down deals. And then um, I was actually renting because I was paying less in rent than I was charging everybody else <laughs> that lived in my place. So, so uh, a guy named Frank Biafor, I remember this vividly, came over one day and he says, hey, Tom, I want to talk to you. I'm thinking, oh, but what did we do? You know? And every time he would come over to the house to fix something, I would say, hey, Frank, you know, I'll help you put those gutters on, but you teach me what you're doing, okay? Okay. So after a whole semester of this, he came to me and he said, you know, Tom, um, I've been renting apartments in this town for 25 years. He said, not once ever has a kid that I rented to, it was all college students, asked to help me, let alone want to learn anything. He says, I have a hotel and I want to retire and move to Florida and I want you to have it. And he said, if you can come up with the first mortgage, I'll take back the second mortgage. I don't know if you know any real estate stuff. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you won't have any money down payment and then you run it and just pay me off with the, the hotel uh, income. I did it. <laughs> I did it for, I only had to go one day a week and had a manager. I, I made about $65,000 a year on it. Well, and this is in the seventies. Okay. And uh, ended up making four or $500,000 on the, when I sold it. <laughs> so so That's uh, the lesson here, John, for all your listeners is give before you get. See, in today's atmosphere, I hate to say it, but a lot of the young people don't have a lot of big work ethic and a little bit entitled. And might, you might be in that age group, but it's not you. But I mean, you know, that's kind of the reputation. So you don't have to do a lot to impress guys like me to give you a break. And in fact, one of the people I want to tell you about is one of my students. His name was Ilya Posen. He just sold Pluto.tv. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's like a Hulu, Netflix kind of okay. thing. You're, you're not, are you sitting down? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm standing. Yeah. Oh, well, $340 million. He sold it to Viacom. And that was his third startup after he left me. So he started a first company, sold it for a million and a half. Second was $6 million. That one was $340 million. So I, I just get thrilled about, you know, people that I've inspired to do this stuff. Uh, so, so, uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's how I got uh, it, the idea is give before you get impress people that are further ahead than you, that you're a go getter, you're reliable, you're hardworking, and they'll give you breaks because it's most of your competitors are a bunch of, you know, bums. And so you don't have to do a lot to, to really stand above the crowd. That's amazing. That's great advice too, right? Like growing up these days, everyone's always chasing, right? And they, like you mentioned, entitled. So they see what they want to see and hear what they want to hear. But 
back in our days, like I'm 40. So my oh, generation, yeah, yeah, you don't so my, my, my parents and everyone else, we come from hard work. We right. come from people, you know, at nine years old, I was out there working to support my family and help out. Right. Oh, like, good. We, we all come from that same kind of mindset, but in today's day and age, depending on where you live and what kind of status you're in, right. The, the upbringing is a little bit different as well. Right. So, um, if you just put in some time, you actually care and want to learn, actually want to volunteer and really want to help others, people see the good in others, right? And if they see that there's opportunity for you to actually want to do good in life or in, have a good future, they are going to have, there are breaks out there, right? It's but, not, but everyone only sees the biggest, largest companies like Amazons and Facebooks and Googles, and everyone wants to be like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> or Jeff Bellows, right? Like, yeah. but they don't see that there's so many other opportunities that will make you ultra successful, right? Like, you don't need to be billionaire status. Even a couple hundred thousands here or there is sufficient for your livelihood, right? Well, yeah, and I mean, uh, trust me, people don't uh, tackle me for my autograph walking down the street. You know, I'm the guy next door, basically. Uh, but in some places they do because I'm well known in the speaking arena. But but the thing is, is you can make enormous amounts of money uh, online. You're doing online stuff um, and uh, do a lot of good for people, help a lot of people live the life you want, lifestyle business, you know. So, um, yeah. So but but if you just if you only look at the big prizes and then don't take the steps to get there, that's called a dreamer. Okay. You want to be a doer, not a dreamer. Exactly. And I'm all about someone that takes action, right? Someone that actually, you know, everything is all in the mind, right? Everyone has all these great ideas and they throw like, I want to do this. <laughs> Change that verbiage to, I will do this. I right. am doing it. And yes, you're going to fail many times. And it's very depressing sometimes and frustrating. But at least you're taking action. You're doing something that you're learning from because you're, there's many more failures and successes, right? And people get upset. They get frustrated. They get disappointed. And just don't let it get to you, right? It's hard well, to say, but well, here's the true. thing. Here's the thing, and why I'm really, uh, really pleased to hear of your upbringing, because I, I'm not a parent, so it's easy for me to give parenting advice. <laughs> so, so uh, I think parents make it too easy on the kids, and so when the kids get to the point where there's the least bit of pressure on them, they fold like an accordion. They got to go on. Zantac or whatever. I don't know. Zantac might be stomach. I don't know. Whatever this thing is that for their craziness, they go join gangs, they join alcohol, drugs, uh, because they never had the ability to cope with any pressures since they were little. So I implore parents to make your kid get a job. I don't care how rich you are. Make your kid work for something and realize the value and be with regular people and know how to serve people and have a nice pleasing personality. That's another thing. Pleasing personality can get you very far, you know, but people don't, you know, they don't learn that nowadays uh, uh, because both parents are working and the school's certainly not going to teach you how to have a pleasing personality. You know, I totally agree. Right. Um, so my son's five and 
for me, it's all about surround, making sure that he lives as normal of a life, what I feel is normal, which is, you know, yes, serving others, but learning the true values that, you know, as a human, you need, mm-hmm. right? Respect, someone that actually appreciates everything. Be grateful for what you have as opposed to what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Earn everything. Like, and then, of course, the educational piece, right? Like, right. just make sure that he is well-rounded with the true values of what you feel is what you need, right? In life, as opposed mm-hmm. to all the stuff that you buy, right? Like right. you don't need the newest gadgets and new shoes and all this stuff. It's like being around, surrounding yourself with the right kind of mindset, right? Um, and parents, again, it depends on their situation. I don't know where they're coming from or what what is going on in their life, right? But if you actually be present, you're there for your children, it makes a big difference in how the kid is actually raised, right? Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people forget that they're chasing, they're chasing money mainly, right? And they forget what's really important and what's valuable in someone's life. Yeah, there's a a really telling song about that by Harry Chapin called The Cats in the Cradle. And it's a song about uh, the little boy wants to be like his dad and the dad's always working, doesn't have time to play with him. I'll, I'll play with you later. And then when the dad gets older and the kid grows up and leaves, then the kid uh, is doing the same thing to his dad. Oh, I don't have time to see you, dad. I got my own kids. I got this, that, you know, and it was like, oh, really told a story. Yeah. And then you're going to regret it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like, look, I spent all these years to have a better future for the children. That's what his thought thinking right. process was. But he didn't even spend any time with the child. And mm-hmm. therefore, you're no longer that father figure or mother figure right right so you're going to regret it for the rest of your life and things change and situations change and therefore is reversed because now it's like it's hard <laughs> right um but let's go back into your business and your career um, go listen to that song when you get a chance <laughs> i definitely will yeah. um so growing up was there like a dream job that you always wanted to no to have? no no I never wanted to have a job. That's you're cussing at me now. <laughs> or, no. or, or like, what did you want to be? Because like you mentioned, you were a pilot, you did this, you did that. What were they all in your bucket? Of- no, the, the, well, flying was a little bit after I got older, I, I was probably in high school before I even thought about flying, but, but uh, my whole goal in life was to avoid working for somebody else and finding a way to do it. And I mean, and it's, and it's funny because the, the old saying is an entrepreneur will work 80 hours a week to get out of working 40 hours for somebody else. You know, so so uh, my whole goal was that I'm going to find a way that I, uh, I can make money, earn a living, and not have to go to a regular job. That was just not in my DNA. And uh, every, my whole life, I have done that. And uh, like I said, doing crazy stuff. Uh, I'll bet you you've never had a guest on your show that went to Santa school. <laughs> no. <laughs> I went to Santa school because, because I had my entertainment company. And so all I, I was getting calls for all these Santa deliveries. And I said, I don't know how to be Santa. So I went to Santa school and then did Santa Amazing. So, But that's so, fun, right? It sounds like yeah, you're exactly. life. Exactly. It's, I mean, I got so many stories of 
little kids on my lap. I mean, I remember I was, I don't want to brag, John, on your show. All right. But I, Tom Antion, was the Santa Claus for National Geographic magazine in Washington, D.C., three years in a row. Amazing. All right. Amazing. Now, I know. I guarantee That's you haven't had thing. any big shot guests like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this little, you know, DC, everybody's a lawyer, right? So this little girl sitting on my lap, she must've been, I don't know, four years old. I said, well, you got to go to bed early, you know, so be a good girl. So Santa will bring you something for Christmas. And she's looked at me and she said, is that a federal law? <laughs> so she, she, That's she's, awesome. Her dad's a lawyer. So she's thinking yeah, that yeah. must be a law that I have to comply with. So, uh, so yeah, so my there wasn't any job I ever wanted ever. Uh, in fact, I mean, I get a little guff on it now because I've done a lot of speaking in corporations and stuff uh, in the old days, and, uh, and I would say, you know, I don't want to work in a corporation where you have to ha have a two week committee meeting to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, you know, I do more before breakfast than most executives do their whole career. You know, and I don't want to be held back and have to do this and that. And another rule of, that I live by is I only deal with people I like. So I'm never, I mean, I'm forced to deal with Verizon, which I hate, you know, you know, for my cell phone. But, but I'm not, not every day. I don't have to deal with people in a company. I don't have to uh, uh, kiss butt on people to, so I get a raise, you know, none of that stuff is, you know, that it just drags you down. That's awesome. So you're in control no, of your no life. job. <laughs> What's yeah. that? And then you're in control, right? And that's how yeah. you dictate, um, you know, what goes on, who you associate with and what brings happiness to you. So another question I had is growing up, what did success really mean? Or what did you want to achieve? Like, what was your kind of goal? Well, as a young person, uh, I was a super, super fatty uh you know, in my maybe eight, nine, 10 years old. And, um, and I joined midget football, they called it. So that was, I don't know, you know, little kids, but I was, okay. I was six feet, 220 pounds at 12 years old. Wow. And the other kids were 60 pounds. In fact, this is how in the state of Pennsylvania, they made the, the weight limit rule after me because I was, you know, so far bigger than these little kids that were <laughs> midget football. But it got me a, a good work ethic of, uh, uh, and there's no, no giving out trophies just for showing up in those days. You won or you lost. If you lost, you shook hands, you wiped yourself off, and you figure, okay, I have to work harder to do better. Wasn't everybody got a trophy. Um, so, uh, so, that was, uh, so that was causing me to say, wow, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm not a fatty anymore. People are respecting me. So... I worked harder and harder, ended up being fourth in the uh, state in, in wrestling and heavyweight division and all-state football player. And it got me a, uh, um, a scholarship to school, uh, to college, top 20 college. But uh, the thing was, is I, was, I wasn't the dumb jock. I mean, we were surrounded by people with IQs half their shoe size. I mean, it was really bad. Um, I mean, there was 31 people in my freshman picture and only six of us graduated. <laughs> so, so they would take anybody that was big and strong and fast. So I, I went to class, got good grades, took business classes while I was hoping to be a pro football player. But 
only 5% of people, I mean, only 5% of high school is good enough to get a college scholarship. 5% of college is only good enough to go pro. I wasn't there. I could tell by my senior year, I wasn't good enough. And I had already had owned these apartment buildings, just bought a hotel. And it's just like, all right, well, that's the end. You know, that's uh, the end of that. And then I got so bored because I was just picking up my rent checks from the post office and had nothing to do. I went and got my pilot's license and became a commercial pilot. And uh, then I got bored with that. And because you're kind of like a high class chauffeur is all you are as a pilot. And then, uh, and then I bought the nightclub and then, then I got in all the gunfights and knife fights and bikers trying to kill me and all that stuff. And so it just went on and on and on moving one thing to the other, but it did teach me. I won't, I won't buy a biker bar anymore and clean it up. <laughs> that's that. awesome. So how did you get into the speaking gig? Um, because that's yeah, what okay. you do currently, right? Yeah. So well, can I you mean, it's, delve a little bit deeper on that? Yeah. Well, um, I've been, I've been doing that since 1991 and, the way it came about is when I was doing the practical joke business, like I said, it was worldwide publicity. I was, I learned comic timing. I did over a thousand of the jobs myself. So I was writing you know, professional grade humor all the time for the other people and for myself. And, but I, I was always sitting there thinking there's something bigger here for me, something bigger. I didn't know if it was a movie or TV show or something like that. And I was in a bookstore and I moved out of the way to, to let a lady go by on a stroller, pushing a stroller, and I hit my head on a book. And it was called Speak and Grow Rich. And it was about becoming a professional speaker. And so I took it home and looked at it. I said, this is perfect for me. I'm already funny. I got tons of business experience. And uh, that's how I got into speaking. And uh, uh, and then that was not, I was president of the Speakers Association in Washington, D.C., and uh, going around the world speaking like crazy. And then, uh, then that's when the internet came along. And I had no inch, you know, right now I'm considered Mr. Internet Guru, right? Teaching internet stuff. So uh, I was just trying to learn the internet to sell my own stuff. And I, and, and this is another point for your, for your folks. When you get so good at something, people will start to beg you to teach them how to do what you're doing. And so that was, uh, it was the same thing with speaking. I, you know, I was an entertainer. I, I got really good at it and I started speaking. People started begging me to teach them speaking. So I wrote a book uh, on that, have a big course that's made millions of dollars on being a professional speaker. And then to sell that course, I had to study internet. And so I studied that like crazy, got really good at it. People started begging me to teach that to them. And that's how I got into it. Uh, the internet marketing I'm in the retreat center right now. It's this big mansion that, um, and I've got a TV studio next door and people come from all over the world to study here and all that stuff. So, so it wasn't, you know, a lot of internet people just, you know, they say, Oh, you're just making money telling people how to make money. Yes, that's true. However, I learned how to make money selling public speaking stuff, which everybody hates. Nobody likes public speaking. So, so I got rich doing that. And then I taught other people. So it's just trying to be excellent is the key. So the first lesson was give before you get. The second is be excellent at what you do. And then not only can you make money doing it, but you can make money teaching it to others. 
That's amazing. Yeah. So just to give you a perspective, I started, uh, first off, I was reading the TED Talks book a couple of years ago, and that's how I had interest in doing more public speaking. So I never really did speaking, but I was always in sales, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I went out there and I put a couple of events on like Meetup and Eventbrite or whatever on local events Mm -hmm. for me to practice speaking. And now it's just a habit, right? It's just like anything, you need to get better. You're gonna make mistakes many, many times, but the only way to improve is to go and do something. So that's what I did, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not the best by any means, just like podcasting. I just enjoy it. Everything has to be passionate, right? You got to enjoy the whole flow of making mistakes, learning, pivoting, getting better, changing it up, getting better, making more mistakes. Like that whole habit. A lot of business owners or entrepreneurs forget that, yes, you got to enjoy it. Yes, it has to make some money or else why do it? But you got to really have fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the only change I would make there is that uh, just like you and just like me, we kind of make money by shortening the curve for other people. Exactly. All right. So, yeah, I mean, now I is all the stuff that I do on the Internet, which is lots of stuff. I'm not a local SEO guy. I I totally divorced myself from that because that's a specialized field. I was taught by the best of the best, Michael Campbell, probably before you, no, you were, you're 40, but almost before you were born on uh, SEO. And, and I was great at it, but local, no, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, I, in fact, I t- talk local people into making yourself global by selling digital products about what you do locally. So you do both, but, but anyway, uh, they could figure it out for themselves if they were willing to sit down for every night for hours and hours and test and blow a yeah. lot of money, but they could just go pay you, right? <laughs> See, yeah. So That's what true. we do is to help shorten people's learning curves uh, rather than, uh, for instance, with my speakers, I don't want to see person bomb 15 times when I could have, you know, coached them to not bomb even once, <laughs> you know, so so that's how we get paid and that's our value in the world is to help other people do what we we can do. So, exactly. so that's the only shorten change. Time. Yeah, you yeah, shorten, shorten your time. time. Find an but, expert. Yeah, if they're doing it for a hobby and just for fun, who cares? Yeah, good. Have a good time. Exactly. At it. But, but if you're doing it as a profession, you need to up your game faster than, you know, sooner than later because you're trying to put food on the table for your family. And if you bomb, you know, the word spreads fast in the speaking community. Don't hire this guy because he sucks. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it totally makes sense, right? Um, so some of the mistakes, would you be able to share to, to some of the audience members? Like what kind of mistakes did you have to uh, overcome or what did you have yeah, as uh, mistakes? I was uh, thinking challenges? about that. The biggest mistake that I made I believe uh, it's one of those things that was a mistake that I'm still proud of, uh, the results of it. So this school that you mentioned in my introduction, um, I did it originally because there's so many scammers on the internet, I wanted to set myself apart. So so I, I had background checks and financial checks, criminal checks, you know, all this stuff to get the license, three years it took. So I set myself apart and then found out I hate the red tape of a school. <laughs> you know, so in the time I did doing that, I could have made millionaires, a couple of millionaires in the meantime. So, so I'm proud of the school. 
Like I said, it's the only one that exists. It's distance learning, so people anywhere in the world can go to it. Um, but I, I just hate the bureaucracy. In fact, here's an example. It's a distance learning school, right? I have to have a physical library at my office for students that will never set foot in the building. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it just drives me crazy. But, you know, like I said, it, it did the job. It set me apart from nobody's gone through the scrutiny that I have that teaches internet stuff. I mean, we got convicted felons selling stuff, some big names you've probably heard of, you know, and people got their, their uh, finances frozen for fraud, you know, and big names you've heard of. So uh, I've set myself apart from all of that. And that's amazing to hear because it's, that's what, you know, again, to be the best, you need to focus on like differentiating yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure that you are a level up than everyone else. So it sounds like you've, you, you know, you think differently as an entrepreneur as well, uh, because there's so much clutter out there in the world, right? Every in the marketplace. Day it gets worse, yeah. And and you don't know who to trust. There's so much going on in everyone's life as well. And you're bombarded by so much information, true or false or whatever it may be. And you don't even know who to trust, what to consume, right? Um, so you know, how do you differentiate yourself from all the other noise out there? Well, there's a couple of things I wanted to tell you about first was uh about how some of these mistakes and trouble that you've gotten yourself into can be, uh, you know, it's, it's like looking for the silver lining. So the nightclub, you know, first of all, I've been in like martial arts since I was a kid. Okay. And, but I had to step it up big time at the nightclub. I was in gunfights, knife fights. I had bikers trying to kill me over a hundred violent confrontations, lucky to get out alive uh, pretty much. But I really stepped it up, and so uh, and I kept it kind of under hat the skills that I have, until a lot of these active shooters were showing up in the United States and around the world. I said I got to come out and tell people about how to protect themselves. So I made a website called Brutal Self Defense, and then I had a seminar about it. It's five hundred dollars a person, and then we have a fourteen hour course online. So I turned that negative that I barely lived through into a positive. See, so, uh, and also I teach people to make their hobbies tax deductible. So I'm, I'm a tennis nut. And I have the dubious distinction of being the largest person ever to create and star in a tennis training video. It's called Fatso Tennis. So it's tennis for overweight and hopelessly out of shape. So what it does is I sell a tennis DVD and then it makes my balls and my ball machine and my brackets and everything tax deductible. So, so uh, it's just, you can turn all kinds of stuff. I don't remember what your original question was, but, but I wanted you to know about how you can turn things in to, to again, make money and do things that are enjoyable to you and save taxes too. Cause even if, this would even work in Canada because you still, a business can take off deductions when they're legitimately making money. That's amazing. <laughs> the way you think is a lot different than a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are working on the five, right? Like, you know, as business owners or entrepreneurs, we think differently, we act differently, yep. and we look at opportunities. We're optimistic kind of people, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to differentiate ourselves. So it's Oh, great that was to the hear. question. Yeah, that was the question you asked me. 
Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. So uh, about 20 years ago, I turned the internet marketing training world on its head. And the guys at my level were charged fifty dollars or $100,000 up front to teach this to other small business owners. And I knew a lot of these guys. You give them $50,000, bucks, they are hiding out in Mexico, and they'll never help you. They'll just run off the money. So, uh, so I said, that's not right. Uh, that's too risky for small business owners. And uh, so I, I charged a, uh, an entry fee, and then I charged a percentage of profits that was capped. At fifty thousand dollars, so for me to get my fifty thousand, you had to net two hundred thousand. <laughs> People love this; they knew I would not disappear on them. Seventeen hundred students later, more than seventeen hundred now, it's still going strong. Uh, so that's one thing. I, I tied myself to their success. So that's one thing. Second thing is every all my training is one on one. Nobody at my level will even talk to you, let alone teach you anything. So myself and my entire staff will tutor you one-on-one if you're in my mentor program. Uh, So that's another thing that's unique. Another thing is, is you get an immersion weekend where you actually live in this mansion in Virginia Beach for the weekend with a small group, four or five people. Nobody else will do that. They might come over and brag about their house in the daytime and then send you to a hotel. You actually live here for an immersion weekend. Uh, Then you get a, a scholarship to my school. And one guy was in my mentor program. He had spent $80,000 on his daughter's crappy education. All they did was teach her to protest or something. I don't know. And um, she had a crappy job. And so he joined the mentor program, gifted the scholarship to his daughter. After one month, she was making $1,000 a month on the side. Two months, she was making $3,000. After four months in the school, she was making $6,000 a month as a side hustle and hadn't even graduated yet. So all nobody on earth has any of those elements <laughs> that they, they give. So, so pretty much uh, I, I, I dare people to bring a program that matches all the things my do. Plus the video studio, we have a TV studio next door. Um, I was at a seminar where they offered to shoot a marketing video for you for $700 was the seminar price. $1,500 was their regular price. We have people come here, shoot 10, 20, 30 of them as part of their deal. My guy edits them, puts the graphics on, sends them all these marketing videos just as part of the deal. You know, so no, like I said, nobody on earth has ever come to me. I, I dare them to give me exactly what you do and exactly what I do. And then they go crawl under a rock somewhere. <laughs> that's awesome. No, and that's important, right? Because you want to know. Service. It's service. Service, personalization, custom. Yeah. You're really driven on their results as well, right? Because Yeah, but they people- know I'm not going to disappear because I'm not going to get my money. I, I wrote a book. Uh, it's funny. Uh, it's called The One Sentence Business Plan. I have like 19 books out or so. Uh, it's called the one sentence business plan, which is kind of funny when you got to write a 60, 80 page ebook to tell them how to write one sentence. Right? But, but my one sentence business plan, I believe that if every business on earth followed this idea, they would be way better off. They wouldn't have to pay $100,000 to a consultant to make up their business. Plan. So here it is. I create quality products that somebody actually wants at a reasonable price and I service them after the sale. What else is there? 
It's a straightforward. <laughs> exactly. Ideally, that's what ideally that's what every business should be focused on. But, that's what I'm saying. You know, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's why I hate big corporations. They'd spend a year working on their mission statement, oh, and yeah, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, and and then it didn't really mean anything because the bank says, "Oh, our we believe in great customer service." Well, you didn't tell the teller that today, did you? You forgot to tell her about the mission. Yeah, that's so, uh, so uh, it's a blast doing this stuff. I mean, I, uh, uh, it's a life, it's the true lifestyle business. You do what you want, you deal with who you want, your, your income potential is unlimited. It's up to you how hard you want to work or how little you want to work, you know. So, uh, I just, it's been the best thing ever out of my whole entrepreneurial career. That's amazing, man. And I loved your enthusiasm, um, <laughs> your passion. It sounds like you're enjoying life. And that's the most important thing of being an entrepreneur, right? Why would you wake up early? Or why would you continue doing what you're doing if you're miserable? Or if you're not yeah. even wanting to help others or, you know, associate with others, right? Like, it sounds like you're, you're having so much well, fun. And so many <clears throat> interesting things happened to me. If I could tell you uh, a story about, uh, you know, people come to me, sometimes they would say, what's the fastest way for me to make money? And this might surprise you, you know, I'm supposed to be Mr. Internet big shot, you know, I tell them eBay. I said, eBay, you could, uh, tomorrow, you could have money coming in and clean your basement at the same time. I was a power seller for a long time on eBay, just as a side hustle. And, um, and I, I'm very frugal. You know, I buy stuff off of buying apps, you know, like Facebook Marketplace or OfferUp, because I'm frugal. I grew up in a small town. Dad was very yeah. frugal. And so I bought this tool off of this guy. So I go to pick it up and... Uh, I show up at his house, beautiful motor, half a million dollar motorhome out front, beautiful home. He shows up at the door dressed nicely. He invites me in to go down to his shop to buy this tool down in his basement. Great. Okay, I go down the basement. And John, everything up to this point was normal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I'm walking into his, I'm following him into his shop. And I look over, and from the ceiling is hundreds. I'm talking hundreds of ladies brassieres. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my God, this guy kills people in his basement and hangs their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't say anything and I'm, I'm talking to him and he's real nice. And we're talking about how our dads taught us to use tools and everything. I buy the tool. We're leaving the basement. I said, I got to ask you, man, what's all these bras over here? He says, oh, man, my daughter sells them on eBay. She gets used bras at thrift stores. She knows the sizes, and she goes to all the thrift stores. She made $200,000 last year selling used bras. All right, so there's hundreds of millions of buyers there. There's, uh, and that's just one slice of the opportunities that are out there if you're willing to hustle a little bit. <laughs> and that's the thing. Side hustling, it doesn't have to be the glamorous jobs that you see and you watch on TV, right? It's the smaller things that anyone can do, right? Mm -hmm. And it's paying the bills. And it's also the ones that actually has the most potential because no one else is willing to do it. Right? Yeah. And, and it's more than paying the bills. She's making more than an average doctor. More, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> With no, but, you know, no liability insurance. <laughs> it's the same thing with like trades, right? A lot of people don't want to do trades work, right? However, if you're willing to do the hard work, 
the grind, people make way more than doctors, right? Or lawyers. Yeah, I saw I saw a cartoon in the New Yorker magazine. It was a guy sitting at the, an employment office. And the employment guy was saying, you know, we have all kinds of PhDs and MBAs. We need a guy, a good body and fender man, you know, just to work on cars. <laughs> so, so, uh, and it's true. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, nowadays people are running up enormous debt at regular colleges, getting learning how to protest, and then no skills whatsoever, and then competing for jobs at Starbucks. You got Starbucks up there, right? Um, yeah. yeah, you're you're a yeah you're not a third world country. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's a there's so a. I, <laughs> I was going to say there's a comedian Kathleen Madigan. She was she was talking about Canada. She says, "Yeah, Canada is pretty cool. You kind of forget it's up there. It's like it's kind of like the attic to the USA. You forget it's up there, but there's a lot of cool stuff up there." <laughs> yeah, so we live in Toronto, a big city. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, so, yeah, I've been. To, it, it has everything, right? So mm -hmm. for us, it's like any big city in the world we have, right? Um, and people forget, like everyone wants to work in this big, glamorous office tower, <laughs> you know, drive a nice car. But then you you forget that you got to take two hours to get to work. <laughs> exactly. You forget that you're stressed out of your mind because you're dictated by big you know, higher senior management, like that's the rat race, right? And once yeah, you become and, an entrepreneur. And one swipe of the pen, you're uh, you're on unemployment. Right? I don't know right, what they call it up pink there. slip, yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So uh, another few questions I want to mm -hmm. ask you. Sure. Um, you know, right now, what drives you? What really motivates you? What What's your, you know, purpose in life? Because it seems like you've hit, so many of your check marks of things that you wanted to achieve in life. Well, here's the thing. Um, it has to do with goal setting. I tell people I've never met a goal that I've ever had, ever. Why? Because as soon as I get anywhere near it, another one appears to me <laughs> past it. So it's always a, a Japanese principle called Kaizen, continuous improvement. See, so... Uh, and, the, and you asked me what drives me? You see that poster behind me with the baby? All right, so have you ever heard of a, um, a, um, a, a singer named Johnny Cash? Yes. Okay, Johnny Cash is a country singer. He had a yeah. famous song called A Boy Named Sue. And that was, he named, he was a, it was about an old drunk cowboy who named his boy Sue because the cowboy figured he wouldn't be around to raise him and he wanted to make him tough, make him fight and scrap and because his name was Sue, the girl's name. So, so my dad was 50 when he had me. And so he was thinking he wouldn't be around. So he told me that when I was just a baby learning how to crawl, he would put a pillow in front of me and put my toys, and you see that ball there, on the other side to teach me how to overcome obstacles. Do it to your five-year-old for the next couple of years. See what he or she turns out to be. So he said he wanted to make me learn how to overcome obstacles. And to, to this day, I'm totally unstoppable. Now, I won't cheat anybody or step on them to get where I'm going. But if you tell me I can't do something, this is another lesson for your folks, you better get out of the way as I blow by you doing it. And 
the thing is, is what, John, when somebody tells you you can't do something, doesn't mean anything. What it means is they can't do it. So you just have to ignore people like that. But uh, if parents would do this with their kids, teach them to overcome obstacles, they'd, uh, they'd have a, a child that's just totally going to take the world uh, on and do great things, no matter what they are. But uh, if you just, you know, put a bottle in their mouth and rock them to sleep every day, <laughs> they're not going to do crap. Well, that's that's parenting, right? And yeah. it's hard. Uh, the upbringing and people feel like they've worked hard all their lives and they feel, well, I don't want my child to go through what I had to go through. Mistake. Yet, Mistake. If you don't, exactly. If you don't, <laughs> they're going to be raised as, you know, someone that's privileged or someone that expects everything to be given to them, right? Or um, they can't, they're crying with social, you know, uh, yeah. safe spaces and all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's a fine line and I see it all day long. I see it with my friends, children. I see it because we, again, I come from a different situation. Mm -hmm. Parents didn't have much similar to your situation. Yeah. And we worked, we, we spent a lot of time with just, trying to uncover and being curious and making mistakes and working all the time, hard work, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of kids nowadays don't even feel it. They need no. to feel the pain, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Or else, if they don't, they're going to live and grow up like, you know, someone that is entitled. And that's what you never want to raise as, a, as children. Right? Yeah, they need to, I would say they need to feel the pressure as a youth so that they don't feel the pain as an adult. How about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, so you, you got to keep putting pressure. Like he put pressure on me before I could even walk. Didn't yeah. hurt me. I wasn't going to get hurt or anything. I wasn't in any yeah, danger. Yeah. But look at me now. And, uh, and you say what drives you. He, you know, he's sitting there talking to you, not me. I mean, he molded yeah. me. I mean, uh, he was blue collar. He was an electrician, you know, besides entrepreneur. And uh, I channel him. I go into Home Depot. And I start feeling him. Yes, you know, uh, I just, I go there sometimes just to feel his presence again, you know. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and I'm not a parent, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent, but I, I do see the people that come to apply for a job. And I'm like, oh, my God, how do you get out of bed? How do you even cross the street by yourself? I mean, there's some of these people. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> uh, so, so aside from business it seems like you have this not good community you have a lot of books you have a, this striving business a lot of uh, speaking engagements and all these things um, you know that's your business right like is is, is your sibling still around like what what do you do no no in terms of several of them you know I'm no spring chicken here I'm I just I'm turn, I'm 65 so I say I'm 65 going on 12. Wow, um, you look amazing, though. <laughs> Thanks. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, most of them are all gone, like, you know, pretty much gone. But, but uh, uh, you know, my life, you know, when people say, well, that's your business. Well, some people say, okay, well, you're a workaholic. I say, no, that's my winning pace. That's what I love to get up every yeah. day and do. Uh, and they don't understand it. I get that. But the thing is, is they don't also see 
that, all right, I stayed up all night for nothing watching the election last night. They don't see yeah. me playing with two German Shepherd dogs, which I turned into a business called Protection Dogs Elite. You know, so they don't see with tennis. They don't see with, you know, there's not many guns and, you know, but we do a lot of gun stuff around here. They don't see me <laughs> practicing martial arts. So it's just all this stuff is part of the deal of my makeup. That's amazing. And I built that. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what I try to impress on people. You can make the decision to build this, this kind of life for yeah. yourself. Or yeah. you can take the easy way out and drive to work back and forth and then collapse and watch Netflix all night until you do it again tomorrow and make somebody else rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's up to you. Yeah, and Exactly, right? As an entrepreneur, you dictate how the outcome's going to be, right? And if you have that foresight, if you understand opportunities, if you go out there, do something, there's always going to be things to come, right? There's going to be positives and negatives, but hopefully more positives. And it, I love your spirit. I love your passion. Thank you. I, I love that you're, you know, enjoying and so happy right at 65 i want to be like you where you know you enjoy every moment you you're so engaged right and you love just every aspect of business right and well yeah you're, and I, you're I, love, fun. I love i mean i don't have kids per se but all these 1700 people that i've helped uh not counting tens of thousands in audiences i actually had a lady come up to me the other day and, I, and she's crying. She's like blubbering, crying. I mean, really crying. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what did I do? You know, Is she like, okay? <laughs> I said, well, you're not pregnant, right? No, I, I, no, what? I had no idea. She could barely talk. She said that she had seen me speak 15 years ago, went home and told her husband about it, and they started their own business. I didn't help her at all other than she just saw me speak. It changed their whole family's life. They put their kids through college. They're still running the business. And uh, I had no idea. And there's probably lots of people like that out there. But she just came up to me and was like uh, crying. And so that kind of stuff keeps you fired up. You don't, you know, not all of them are like that. Some of them don't do crap. But, but the thing is, is that one person, um, and there's been many like that that have come up to me that I never even knew. But um, that kind of keeps me fired up because I, I know what I'm doing is positive, helping people, and, uh, and I'm enjoying it myself. And that's so important, right? Like inspiring others. And the, the thing is, you don't expect it, but as long as it's, you're doing something, right? You're, you're yeah, you got to go out and do someone stuff. else's life. Plus, and those people, you know, are grateful. So, yeah, yeah. And plus the ones that can't even tell me. Because a lot of people, I used to say, uh, or this one guy I used to speak for would say, uh, uh, we have to score for people that can't score for themselves. In other words, help people lesser than you. Uh, but I just changed it that we have to score for animals. So I've rescued enormous amounts of animals. I got this video where this lady thought I was going to, she was a, a, a very selfless lady and her husband retired they, they rescued these animals. They had 17 dogs living in their house and rescued them. And so I got one of the rescue dogs and just loved it for years. And so I did a fundraiser for him. It was my birthday. And I thought, you know, what? Am I? I don't need anything. What the heck should I do? So I threw a fundraiser where I did a seminar where people paid 100, 500 or whatever. And then she got all the money. 
but uh, I get, I then tutored him or something. I don't remember. Um, now she didn't know anything about this, right? So I did this all on my own. And so I called her up and said, hey, you want to stop by, see the dogs? And I got a little donation for you. <laughs> and so $24,700 I gave her. that She had never seen more than like $20 donation ever. <laughs> she almost had a heart attack. But I got these dogs, their eyes got operated on, all their vet bills paid. And, you know, that uh, there's nothing that, that I could possibly do on this earth that's going to uh, be as impactful as that. I mean, I could do it for homeless people and everything. But there's, you know, everybody's got their thing, you know. So animals are yeah, so helpless yeah, and they're only given love to you. So that's kind of my thing. That's awesome, man. I, I love your spirit. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, so can you tell some of the listeners how they can get a hold of you or check you out? In terms yeah, of so, so they should check the podcast out at screwthecommute.com. And there's a, a resource page there too. If, I mean, I have tons of products and services and all kinds of freebies and webinars and everything you can think of. And then the mentor program I told you about is at Great Internet Marketing Training. GreatInternetMarketingTraining.com. I'm very accessible. I give my cell phone number out. That's another thing nobody else will do. I give my cell phone number out. Um, and, uh, and I'll be glad to talk to them about anything they need. That's awesome. Well, thanks a lot so much for so much insight today and so much <laughs> valuable, um, you know, tidbits of, um, you know, so many years. And this must have been like 40 or 50 years of 40, your life. I've right? been in formal business 44 years. Amazing. And, um, and uh, really, since I was 10 years old, I was hustling and doing all kinds of stuff. So, so 55 uh, years. Yeah. And you're still going strong and you still love still it. Still going strong, it yeah. I still like get more done you're, than you're anybody so your age. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it, Tom. Well, thanks, thanks again for being on the show and have a great rest of your day. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO Today and tune in to our next episode.